podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Going. This is the LFC Day Trippers Transfer Agenda Show. I'm your host, Keith Plunkett, and tonight I'm joined by three uh, not new faces, but maybe not the faces you were expecting. I'm joined by Chris. Chris Brack, how are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, made the balls of that intro will gavel be on to me now in a minute. It'll be uh, 10 lashings when, when this show is finished. But however, we, we live and learn. We live and learn. Um, you were almost. Uh, when was the last time you were on, Chris? You were on recently, weren't you? Uh, Sunday, Friday. Right? Fr- uh, Friday. Sunday. Sunday yeah. was. Sunday. Good yeah. stuff. The old roads so. won now. That's it. The old deal. The old deal. So it's good to have you back. Amro's even more recent. Well, not with me, but with the lads is Peter Smith. Peter, how are you, my friend? Sturdy boys. All the way. All the way from sunny Catalonia. Our man on the street over there for any uh, Barcelona-based news. Yeah, so we're um, laughing at Barcelona. It's great laughing at the transfer embargo. Laughing at the fact that they've no money. It's all good. It's all good. Lording over Barcelona. I've even got that will, <laughs> We will touch on that. We will touch on that as it goes on because the Barcelona business is just a bit mental. I see the Vidal deal that went through today. It's a bit, a bit crazy. So we'll touch on a bit of them later. We'll see because there is a link to one of their players that we will be discussing. And we're delighted to be joined by Anthony Poyne, not from sunny Catalonia. Anthony, where do you out in North County, wow. Dublin? Still Sun- sunny Balbriggan, Keith. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but we have same. a beach. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, as you said, it's like it's like Barcelona just without all the Spaniards or Catalans. As exactly, exactly. so better. Exactly. So, there you go. <laughs> P has an issue. P has an issue. So, folks, listen. Tonight we're going to be talking about links to Liverpool transfer news. I'm not going. I'm going to be honest from the outset. There's not that many of them. But surprisingly, we still do have a few links, and we're going to look then at at how the Liverpool squad is shaping and how we think it'll look come the end of the transfer window. And we look at some of our rivals and what they're doing, what business they have as well. So that's how we're gonna we're gonna start on. So I'm gonna just talk about a link that's come up. It came up in France football um yesterday or today and it was an unusual one and it's the link again to Ishmael Assar. And Anthony I'll come to you Ishmael Assar being linked with a 35 to 40 million, I don't know, it's pound or euro move to Liverpool. It, it's a bit bizarre, is it? Or does is it one that makes sense to you? Well, it's bizarre off the back of getting Jota. I mean, we had this period where everybody felt like it, it did genuinely look like Liverpool weren't going to do any major business this summer. But of course, it was just classic poker face from them. They, I mean, you know, I think they had a, a lot of the fan base concerned 
some seem to be losing their heads a little bit more than others. But it genuinely did. I mean, I was starting to think that maybe they actually really do just trust this group. And the year that's in it, they're not going to make any major signs and do any major business. Now, you know, in the blink of an eye, Thiago comes in, uh, Jada comes in, and now there's there's seems to be sort of the, the, the Saratok seems to be gathering pace. So you'd have to think that, you know, there is something behind this. And I'm... I mean, if you had said a week ago, Keith, I would have said that probably this was just paper talk. But the way the last week went has me thinking, you know, maybe this actually could happen. Um, and if it does, then, I mean, then you'd have to think that Liverpool, they don't do business recklessly. There's always a plan and there's usually a chain of events, which means that people are going to move out. Um, and probably, you know, people that we like. But this is where Liverpool are now. They've, the bar has been raised so high that, like, even what you'd call the deadwood or the, the player's surplus to requirement, there's some of them that you'd have to say, they'd, you'd, you'd say goodbye to them with a heavy heart because, you know, you, you, kind, you like lads. I mean, there's even, there was talk about Oxide chamberlain I don't think that's going to happen, but like, it's just, like, there, there was talk that he was going to move on. You know, he's, he's been very unlucky with injuries, but he's still been a good signing for Liverpool. Even though, like Shakiri, kind of a bit of a cult hero, players like Origi, of course, you know. So, um, I don't know. Look, we'll, I think that I think they were probably trying to cool the talk around there at the minute. But you know, again, the way the last week went, you never know. And if he does come in, there's there'll have to be a few significant exits, won't there? I mean, that that will happen. Exactly, and and that will be key to it, Peter. As as Anthony just said, there nothing that surprise you with Liverpool the way it's sort of gone. But for Sar or another attacking player to come in, you know it does create a bit of a log jam there in the front. So could you see a scenario where we're looking at literally Brewster, Shakiri, and Origi all moving on? Or what do you yeah. think it happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Anthony touched on it there. There's a lot of sentimentality involved. But I think Klopp, you know, behind the smile and behind the, the nice guy image, he's a very, very ruthless manager. And you only have to look at Brewster. I mean, many other managers who play different systems to Liverpool would say, OK, Brewster's locked into play. But he just doesn't fit the way we play, unfortunately. I mean, he, he produced a couple of Ian Wright-type finishes uh, out on the friendly at Salzburg. And for me, he looked excellent. But you understand, we do understand why he's not playing. Added to that, it's not unusual for a club like Liverpool, the size of Liverpool, to agree terms with four or five players that might be on the shortlist. So obviously Liverpool are looking at Jeremy Doku, looking at Ismail Assar, the same type of player. And so, you know, their their agents will leak that to local media. And it's interesting that the, um, the Ismail Assar story has come through France football. So I, I initially had thought it was a late story from last week, from just before we had agreed terms with, uh, with Jota. Uh, but it seems, as Anthony says, to, to be taking legs. But I do think that it might be, if we do go through with it, there'll be a number of factors. As Anthony says, we'll be getting people out the door. You can probably say goodbye to Shakiri. I, I think the way Klopp handles things is, oh, you're, he's injured, he's injured, when really he just wasn't really fancied. I think Brewster's a little bit unlucky in, fa- in that he doesn't quite fit. And Harry Wilson is the same. So I think there'll be outgoings. And based on that, I think we'll either purchase somebody like Doku or Sar, allow them to stay at the club that they're at or bring them in and allow them to be bit part players in the club and you know let them bet in but I do think there'll be some more chain reaction as Anthony says movement definitely 
I agree, I agree. Uh, Richard Howell is just throwing a comment in there about the Mbappe rumours again. If Nike, if Nike pay him more sponsorship money, you reckon he'd be willing to reduce his wage demands in order for us to afford him? Richard, we will be coming on to Mbappe in a while, so um, hold that thought, but it's definitely one we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. And um, that you know, I think will pique a lot of our interest. So we'll we'll come back. Don't worry, we'll come back to you on that. Um, Chris, Pete was just saying there about you know players maybe not fitting, and I think it is you know obvious that the likes of Brewster and Shakiri don't fit the system or the system maybe that we think Liverpool might adopt this season based on the signings they've made. A lot of people are talking about a switch to a four-two-three-one. Um, which may actually suit them, but they just don't seem their faces just don't seem to fit at the moment. Um, the way Liverpool are playing, are they ones you can see moving on? And does the idea of bringing in like a docu and loaning them back out make sense with the fact that we've just brought Jota in? Uh, it it does. Uh, I mean, it sounds going to happen. I agree with the lads. Someone there's at least three or four are going to leave. I think the thing with Shakiri and Arig is. They, their best games for us, ironically, are always against Everton, when it's always a bit of a mad team, a bit of a mad yeah. game. So they look, they like that. Whereas the way Liverpool now, it's more structured, it's more progressive, it's more possession based, and it's cute passes. That's not Origi's game, you know. It's just not, you know. And Shakiri, I think it's a combination of he's never fit, and he's still one of. That's why he was playing for the likes of Stoke, and that is he's good one game in three, and we don't. We need someone who's a bit more consistent than that. At least with Saar, if you had Saar and Jota as your backups, you're kind of covered for a lot of bases, really, because if you want a pure pace option that's going to stretch teams, uh, you throw Saar on. If you want, Jota's got a bit more cuteness about him. He could be developed into bit, playing a bit of a, of a Firmino 9 role if you wanted him to, or allow to switch Saar on. I think it gives you lots of options. Uh, and in terms of formation switch, with the players we've got now and the amount of midfielders we've got, you could even see Liverpool going a bit Brendan Rodgers 4-4-2 diamond. Just sit Thiago at the back with Cater and Henson either side of it and say Minamino behind the front two of Salah and Manny. One way of rotating the front three is just have one of them on the bench. You could do that when you're playing something like West Brom or Southampton at home where you're just going to dominate the ball so just get a lot of talent around it. Also to break up low blocks. But that doesn't suit Origi and it doesn't suit Shaqiri. I mean, there's probably about five, there's probably about seven lads who will probably get kicked out I would think this summer it's the, the issue is who's going to buy him and who's going to pay for him that is the issue that that's the big problem that we seem to be seeing Anthony will come back to you on that Liverpool we've we've been beating a drum on this um, show for a while um, and turned out maybe incorrectly that Liverpool were just holding fire till they move players on because of not for financial reasons but for um, freeing up non-homegrown slots in the squad yeah. and then they went and signed two straight away and it we said that they won't do that a week in their hand on when it comes to sales they've done that what do you think will happen with sales now do you think they will still try and hold fire on the likes of their valuations for Gruyich for Harry Wilson for example or do you think they'll just say right we're open for business give us offers and we'll see what we can do um, I think it will probably have to be a little bit of both. I mean, they have to, they have balls of steel, and we've seen that in the way they do business. They they hold our nerve like you wouldn't believe. And the way we got Thiago was incredible in the end. You know, we look at the deal and the structure of that deal. But um, 
you know, with the window loom, and I think they they may have to compromise a little bit on that, as you say, like um, that the homegrown thing, like that's you know, they'd be very aware of that. Um, I don't know, like I mean, I just think every time I've had a little doubt about how Liverpool do their business, and I have been guilty of it. Sometimes you think, "Geez, I don't know about this." You know, over the last two or three years, even yeah. they make it look foolish. Because they suddenly do something that a manoeuvre that just goes, oh my god! This, I mean, they've just knocked it out of the park again. So, at this stage, I just completely trust the way the club is being run, the way they're doing business, and you can never get too complacent about this. But it kind of looks like they're two chess moves ahead of most other clubs at the moment. So, I mean, we're talking about this. There's, there's no way that they didn't foresee this. You know, they probably this has probably been on their minds a year ago. So, I, I trust that you know they. They, there's a plan um, they also probably have a fair degree of confidence in the assets that they have in terms of the talent even though they're willing to get rid of, of, of players there's 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 talent there they must they must be thinking like you know, there's a certain level of club that would love to have this player that player that he might might not be good enough for us but so uh, I I as I said, like I'm not, I don't really overthink it at this stage. I just, I just trust the club that they know what they're doing, and they'll sort it out. I mean, that's I know it's kind of fudging the question, Keith, but I just that's where I am at the minute. Just the way that they've they've conducted themselves the last two or three years, you just sort of go, ah, they they have to, they they know what they're doing. So, yeah, no, do you know what, Andy? I get you 100 percent on that because it's one thing that I think we don't always see as fans is we're impatient, you know, and we want shiny new things, but the club has been run so well. Michael Edwards is, is, as you say, two, three moves ahead and you know, they're going to do something. They're not going to be, they're not going to be found left wanting. That's what I'd say. So Peter, I'll come to you. Like, and he makes a good point there. You know, there's players in that squad. They'll have faith that, you know, they will be getting interest for, let's say Harry Wilson, for example, They'll get a lot of interest in him. They know the the type of club, you know, from if it's a, a, a big sleeping joint, like a, let's say a Newcastle, a Villa, a Leeds, they'll all be in, interested in a Harry Wilson or upper championship teams. Watford, for example, got mentioned. Bournemouth got mentioned. And maybe it's that he doesn't want to move down. Do you think that might be a, an issue for Liverpool that the players, Liverpool tie these all down to long-term deals before they loan mm. them? So, it could be a thing that they have to just um, tie them down. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a huge factor. You, know, you can't force. I've seen a lot of fans online suggesting that Brewster should be sent the other way in the in to Watford in the, in any deal for Ismail Assar. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you can't. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, Brewster will feel that he's proved himself at that level, probably to be a little bit too good for that level. So we have to box a little bit cleverly. And a lot of people think, as much as I'm, I'm a huge, huge Michael Edwards fan, you know, it's fantastic to see the way the transfers are being structured financially. Every club is going to start structuring their, their, their transfers this way, except the juggernauts like Manchester City and Chelsea, the ones who cheat with their money. Um you know the the anyone that that needs to be frugal there's a new financial reality out there you know and it's about sitting down and saying okay you're trying to secure your clubs also want to deal in this player and you want to deal in this player that's the new reality um i'm i'm in anthony's camp again um i completely trust michael edwards and, and not only are we two or three moves ahead we're 
three or four windows ahead of other clubs, ahead of ourselves. I mean, you only have to look at, for example, when we make a move for a player and there's word breaks that he's one of four players on that on our wish list in that particular position, you'll see Manchester United, for example, or Arsenal, then go after one of the other names, as you'll see uh, Usame Dembele linked to Manchester United today. Everyone is saying, okay, Liverpool were interested. We must show, we must, you know, try and try and get him. The desperation is what I'm enjoying amongst other clubs to try and, emulate what we're doing it just can't be done it can't be done off the fly this has been five six seven years in the planning exactly exactly and we know right the covid throws everything into into jeopardy as such but we've said as well before you know liverpool aren't taking out loans to to get themselves through this summer which is a huge benefit and i think they in the last week they've they've swung the the fans maybe around that were doubting what he can can or can't do this window and they've maybe silenced a bit of that but Chris do you think there's um there's a comment um it was there about Liverpool maybe stockpiling these attacking players getting rid of the 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 fringe players maybe with one eye on looking at replacing the front three next summer do you think do you think Sar or uh Doku or Dembele are the type of player that could replace instantly replace maybe a Salah or a Mane or a Firmino? No. No, I don't. No. Uh, I think they're being bought for what they're being bought for, which is squad options. If and when, oh, sorry, it's not if, when one of the front three leave. Uh, and I know that upsets people, but if you think the front three are going to stay here to the end of the career, you're in dreamland. Uh, I could see two staying you can argue which one will go. Uh, and the, the, the talk that it's Salah, I, I don't think it's as obvious as people think it is. Mm. Um, if we get rid of one of the front three, they will look... Little now, uh, if, if we can get Thiago, which, let's be honest, ten year, uh, it flashed up today, 10 years ago was when we got knocked out by Northampton with Roy Hodgson's yeah. side. You know, mm. we've gone from that with Christian Paulson and, you know, Koncheski, that, all that shite, to getting a ready-made world-class player in Thiago. So that's the progression we've made in in a ten year period. I'm not saying it's Mbappe, but it'd be something I think Liverpool would go for an Mbappe type or a Sancho level player if one of the front three go. And I think if one of the front three go next year or the year after, I I don't think it's a Coutinho situation. I think it's on Liverpool's terms, and it may be just a you know in Klopp's and they run them ragged and they run them ragged. Mm. At some point, that's going to tell, and at some point, I think Liverpool have got enough data size to go. We're going to have to let one go, which people aren't going to like. But then in a couple of years' time, we'll all be going, oh, yeah, he's gone. You know, he's got to do a Torres, you know, and it's who that is. I mean, talk of the Mbappé thing that comes back later. If you're going to do an Mbappé deal, great. But you will have to sell on the front three, partly just to cover his wages. Because there's no way you can sustain the front three's wages and Van Dyke. It's not sustainable. Uh, I think even City would struggle to do that. So that's what I think of that. I mean, me personally, I think the long-term replacement for Liverpool is, fine, is, is uh, moving Bobby on in the next two years. Very interesting because I am a huge Bobby fan. Bobby is, Bobby's my boy. He puts a smile on my face. But I think there's a lot of miles on the clock and I think there was a, a feeling, as you said there, that it's Salah or Mane or mainly Salah is the one that talks about getting moved on. 
But I have a feeling it could be Bobby, and I have a feeling that could open up a spot um, at centre forward or false nine or whatever way you want to call it. And Anthony, I'm going to come back to you on this one. It's the link that's come back again the last couple of days, and it's the the big link. It'd be the you know we signed Thiago this week, and I think it's one of the biggest transfers in the Premier League. Never mind Liverpool, but if Liverpool were to bring in Kylian Mbappe next year, it would just blow the blow the gates off anything we've ever done. Do you think it's a possibility that an Mbappe can come in, or that Liverpool would entertain the deal? Um. I think the reason why I I would say it is a possibility, the reason I would say that is because Liverpool, to get to where they have now in the last four years, they've had to have a certain approach. Like The approach has to change now because they're at the top. You know, When you're the team trying to get to the top, you take a certain road. Now that you're there, you look at things differently. And they're very fluid. They're very open to evolve, very open-minded in the way they approach things. So, and, and they're very intelligent. So... The fact that we've got Thiago is a, is a great example because he's 29. You know, he's, he sort of books the trend of what Liverpool have done in the last three, four years. And now the profile and the draw of Liverpool, and we all love Liverpool, and we'll consider Liverpool one of the biggest clubs in the world, even back in 2010. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is that this club is now on a, on a level that I don't think any of us right here have ever seen before. Like commercially... The profile of the club, it's it's going through the roof. So, first of all, would Mbappe want to come to Liverpool? Yeah, I think he would. I genuinely believe that he would. Yeah. If you're talking about, if you're looking throughout the whole of Europe now, because this guy can go anywhere. This guy can go to any club on the planet. So, name the big ones. Does he want to go to Real Madrid at the moment? Barcelona are shambles. Manchester United are, you know, they're shambles. Mm. Well, they, they are, uh, you know, relatively speaking, they are certainly not what they were. Uh, and, you know, even Manchester City, for all that they have and, and the wealth, like, how long, how much longer is Guardiola going to stay there? There's not, there's not quite the same romance. I know our boys, it doesn't seem to be quite the same romance about Manchester City um, across Europe. Like, for example, even in Spain, I think Liverpool are, are very, would have a lot of supporters in Spain. As exactly, you know, Man City aren't that type of club because they don't have the same history. So, that's the first thing. It's actually Mbappe would come. The second thing is financially is a viable wages. Uh, that that's the big question here. But the talk has been that Liverpool. This is like this is the dream for them. This is the big one that that has been talking about about that for a while. So it could be possible. I mean, if you look at the the, the three guys that they've been linked with, the attacking players Jota, Doku, Sar, like they are they more follow the traditional trend that we've seen in terms of Liverpool sort of making stars. You know, when we bought Mo Salah, he wasn't the player he is now. The same with Manny and the same with Firmino. So, so they more follow that trend and that, that you can see that they're young, they've certain qualities, but you can see that there's, you know, they, they fancy getting their hands on them and developing them as players. But if you're going to lose one of the, the main three who really are now superstars, you know, you could say that, you could argue that Salah is pretty much almost He's on a par with Mbappe, isn't he? So if you're, if you're going to lose him, it stands to reason that you're going to replace him with someone of, of, of a similar level. And now you're in a position that you realistically can go like for like. You don't have to invest four years in development. You can just go bang straight away so that you can stay at the level. You're not trying to get there now. Now you're trying to stay. And I think that changes the approach. And that's why I think that Mbappe, it still would be unbelievable. But... 
I'm saying that it's not impossible at this point. I, I don't think he could totally rule it out, in my opinion. Maverick is going apeshit in the comments about was even discussing Killian and Mbappe because FSG aren't going to pay 500k a week for Maverick. Keith, can, I, can I just can, can I take Maverick on here? Can, can I take Maverick on here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna really annoy you, Maverick, and I apologize for this, but I'm telling you, Killian and Mbappe in 12 months' time will be a Liverpool player. Absolutely no doubt. These guys follow an American, the American way of doing business. You know, you sign LeBron James, you sign a big, big star, and all of a sudden he just becomes, it's not unrealistic, it's completely realistic. It becomes the magnet. Everything there then becomes this way. And I think from Mbappe's point of view himself, if that young lad, and what is he, 22, even if he wants to be the biggest player, in the world, the best number nine or the best centre forward since the original Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo. If he wants to be, he will sign for Liverpool. If he wants to go and rot in a museum uh, and talk about European Cups that were stolen in the 1950s and 60s um, by a, a military team that is Real Madrid, he'll go there and he'll he'll be well paid. But I, Kylian Mbappe will come to Liverpool and he won't even be on the money that people think he will be on. He will come hungry, he will come desperate for success, and he will take Liverpool in the direction that FSG, I believe, FSG have put people like Michael Edwards in place for and take them to that. This is one of the greatest football teams you have ever seen in your life. I've absolutely no doubt. All of this positioning is like chess pieces on a board is leading to a climax, and I think that young play is the is the final piece of the jigsaw, and it becomes this mega just thing that you you just you witness for the next 10 years and it's like good night everybody else I like your optimism P I'm not going to lie I don't think it's unrealistic <laughs> it's, it's a sport it's a sport the sport that we're dominating anyway I, you know what I do agree with you I do agree with you because I think um, Killian Mbappe moves on next summer Chris will come to you Killian Mbappe moves on from PSG next summer as he has said he, he wants to do and the links are Liverpool and Real Madrid now look it's pouring the sky let's say but we don't know what happens in 12 months but if Liverpool were to win another Premier League or the Champions League are we the, the better proposition than a Real Madrid than a Barcelona than um, Man U obviously uh, City right? we know City have links but is it the club factor? Is it the LeBron factor? Is it Nike? Is it all of that stuff that the perfect storm is coming together to bring Mbappe onto air into our wavelength? Or does that stuff just not happen? Hey, on a footballing level, yes. Uh, I understand the, the uh, cynicism from the financial level. The other question people are assuming is, he might not go next summer. Kylian Mbappe, may, if, he's a, if he's sensible, might just go... Who's going to afford 150 million for me realistically next summer? You know, Liverpool, uh, they'd have to sell one of the big boys to afford it. I don't think Real Madrid have that level of money at the moment. Um, we know Barca don't because they can't even afford the pie at the moment. So, but he's only got a year in his contract. He might just decide, you know what? I like it in France. I enjoy it in France. I'll see my contract out. And then I go next his summer. Career. But, well, maybe 23. And he'll go, but at 23 then. I can walk to Liverpool, uh, you know, he won't be free because he'll get it back in his wages. But then Liverpool have to fork out 150 million, and then it makes it makes it worthwhile. Some play, some players will do it. Some players will wait the year, you know, to to get it done. So that's one way one way around it. 
Uh, I mean, personally, if Mbappé is to happen, and it's still pie in the sky that it's to happen, you're going to have to sell one of the front three. Now, people say that's like a sacrilege, but they're all 29. That's not old, but I think realistically, to freshen the squad up, having next season two 30-year-olds and then him in the middle, plus them with a, a jota still in your squad, it freshens your squad up. And in fairness to Liverpool, we keep saying Liverpool needs to play a different way, a different dimension. And I'm guilty of saying this, and I'm sure people have clipped it up because I've said it on plenty of, pod, plenty of pods before. Oh, when Bobby doesn't play, we don't play the same way. The system doesn't work about Bobby. Well, the nicest possible way then, get rid of Bobby and change the system. Because at some point, you're going to have to uh, have a new system without Bobby Firmino because he isn't going to play every game. He isn't going to play forever. And my big concern with Bobby Firmino, it sounds like a bashing the lad, is... Um, I don't think he knows how to cheat in terms of resting mm. during games. If you watch Salah and Mane, they rotate up front and they rotate out wide and they're allowed to cheat a little bit and like rest the legs for the big burst. Bobby doesn't know how to. I think he's just, he's 100 miles an hour and he runs himself to the ground, which is why he's always subbed off now because he, he runs himself to a standstill. That's just how he is. That Some players are built that way. It's not, it's, you know, it's a strength on the floor. So, mm. is, is killing, look, if you ask me now, I think it's highly unlikely. Uh, but is it impossible? No. It's, this is not Liverpool of five, six years ago, which I think is a mindset we, as a fan base we have to change. You know, you still see it on social media like, oh, why are you picking him? And, oh, it's nil-nil with 20 to go. Oh, why, why is this happening? You're sort of going, there's enough evidence now to know we are like, we're, people like us, we're probably coming what we hated in the 90s. We are starting to become very Fergie United. And people hated Fergie United. I did. It, it upset me because he, he kept winning everything. But, we're kind of becoming that type of a team where we and keep fair, throwing a quality yeah, player, we keep winger. Ferguson's United were ruthless, Bracky. Yeah. They were ruthless, you know, you know, ruthless. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you look at some of the players Fergie sold, you, you were shocked at the time thinking, oh, he's bald today. And he never did. He always had so, he always had three or four plans up his sleeve and he always had the next team built. This is the this is the, this is the intrigue I'm looking at for Klopp is how he's going to build this second team because he's never had to do it before and I think he quite likes the challenge. That's why he signed his new contract. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see what will happen. I, I'm firmly a Firmino fan, and I do think he sets the tone and he sets the system for how we play. But there is going to come a time where we do have to maybe look at a different way of playing, and instead of replace finding someone that can do what Bobby does, you probably bring in the most exciting young talent in the world and say right this is what we do now this is how we play we're not pressing you from the number nine position we're just going to go wave after wave of attack it's a very interesting point about staying on there for next season and coming available because is and i'll come to you pete because i know you're in barcelona there like what's the news on Messi at the moment is Messi going to be available for free next summer and is that where man city will be sort of putting their interests no, most of the most of the media here were in a, in agreement with the the kind of instincts that we had on the pod that it was a complete power play. Um, Lionel Messi is trying to, and quite rightly so, he should trying to set himself up, you know, for life really at Barcelona. Um, every the the objective is to get rid of the president, get him out. I mean, he's made and there's no plan, there is no structure, and there's no project at Barcelona. And I think. Messi wants to, uh, there's talk of PK, you know, people like Xavi, uh, Jordi Pujol coming, coming, 
back to the club and you know building that project you know next level putting Barcelona back on track as to where they were in and around when Rijkaard was manager and when Guardiola took over there was a very clear project very clear uh, progression from the B team Barcelona B into the fourth team right now it's just complete higgledy-piggledy and coupled with the fact that they're 8 million euros in debt and they have a wage annual wage bill of just over 600 million euros so Barcelona in our parlance are completely bollocksed financially and they have no you know they have no there's no light at the end of the tunnel something has to change but I I don't I think Messi will sign a new contract and that contract will be negotiated with whoever will be the next president yeah, it's it's a very interesting state of affairs over there. I mean, I see Vidal signed for Inter today. Was it for less than a million? For a million euros, euros and a bag yeah. of tracksuits. I mean, this is you know everybody knows that Barcelona are completely smashed. It's gone down to the point where they're servicing their debt a little bit like Manchester United are, and um, but they're not uh, successfully said. There's no income, no match day income, and um, merchandising revenues are way down. So teams that want their players have them by the bollocks. If you notice, Ivan yeah. Ivan Rakitic just went back to uh, Sevilla, I think, for less yeah. than five million euros. They were offered. I think 40 million euros last last summer and turned it down. So there, uh, a lot of people aren't are playing it down. But Barcelona are in serious serious trouble. There's absolutely no doubt that Genie Wijnaldum, by the way, would have signed for Barcelona last week. No doubt. But it was it was kiboshed. It was embargoed. It can't be done. The same way they can't sign as you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Bracky. They can't sign Memphis Depay. And they had agreed terms with them. They can't sign anyone. Not they. They can only loan in players. And as you know, Barcelona aren't aren't, aren't keen on that. So they're trying to they're trying desperately to get rid of players like uh, Dembele. To be honest with you, but Dembele doesn't want to go. He's sitting on a huge contract, so he doesn't want to go anywhere. You know, they're in trouble. It, exactly. Um. But that that's the the Neymar deal. Really, I think through Barcelona. They never recovered from that, you know, because before that they were taking their pick of who they wanted. And then they got the Coutinho and Dembele and they just, they, they've been disastrous really moves. Haven't they, Anthony? I'll come to you about the business. And I know this isn't a Barca show, lads, but it just, it, it's very interesting to see what can happen with a club of that size getting into the mess that they're in, that they literally have to give their players away. They've, they've no assets. They've no assets that they can sell. And it's just the madness, and they can't get rid of what they have. Like it, it shows how quickly it can go wrong, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you know, beggars belief when you see like these, you know, clubs like Barcelona, they're institutions. But you look at it from the outside, and I was like, how can they make so many bad mistakes? But I think like, they, like Barcelona, particularly, there's they can get tangled up in politics behind the scenes. There's a lot of people trying to wrestle for control, and when you have that sort of situation. Uh, I mean, we only look close at home and say how the FAI has been run for the last 20 years. Like, there's so many politics and backbiting that uh, it can eat away at the whole thing and bring it down, you know, essentially. Um, I always thought, like, you know, when you think of clubs that are badly run, you're thinking of, say, a Leeds where they just blow all their money and suddenly they're broke and they're gone. But I think Liverpool fans. I think that majority of Liverpool fans do realise this. It's probably maybe an element that not so much, but if you want to see how well Liverpool are run at the minute, like it's not just that you have money, because I think in the Premier League, most clubs have money. Like Manchester United have money to spend, but they've it's Gary Neville said it yesterday. They've lost control. They can't get control in the market, yeah. uh, whereas Liverpool have complete control. 
they look like they know exactly what they're doing. They're not doing, they're not being rushed in it, into anything. They're not making rash judgments. They're not being forced to sell a player they don't necessarily want to sell. And, and you can say, oh, it's easy because they're the league champions. But this has been a sustained, you know, five years, maybe longer, but particularly the last five years of just boxing really, really clever. And Barcelona, once that Neymar deal went through, they probably panicked because it hurt their ego. You know, as Pete said there, they, they weren't used to being the club that loses their star asset. So they went out and just sort of tr threw money around. Um, and it's been a disaster. It set them back massively. You know, we've benefited from that because Coutinho, you know, we we complete, we took ourselves to another level off the back of that. So yeah. there's like, the, the, you know, the great contrast of how to do business, how to be clever and astute and, and have a plan. Uh, you know, it's interesting there earlier, the point about Bobby Firmino, like if you if you rely too much on, if you think you're starting to rely too much on Firmino, you, you don't look for, you, you change the system as we've already done before. Like that's, that that takes like real intelligence and connecting the dots behind the scenes for a long time like that we have and they don't. And it's, you know, that's it in a nutshell. Um, and it's, it's great to see that Man United are sort of the same, not quite as bad as Barcelona. But look at the, when I look at United at the minute, it's like the more desperate they are, you know, the more desperate they become, they seem to be just flailing. <laughs> like, you know, you can see them like they're trying to swim up tide, whereas Liverpool are just coasting along. Um, and it, you know, look, you're never too big to fail, you know, never, never too big to, to drop. Um, we know that as well. We, we touched on the 10 years since the Northampton game when the club was in absolute shambles. Yeah. But we're, we're in the lovely position now where we can look at other clubs like Barcelona and, and sort of gloat about it. And, and now we're, you know, we, we can look down and go, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're glad. I mean, what was, we could never say before, you're glad you're not Barcelona. You can legitimately say, no, geez, I'm glad yeah, it I'm sucks not Barcelona. To be you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it is very true. It is very true, and that that's something that uh, other clubs or people, uh, Ulysses in the chats, asking why we're talking about Messi or Barcelona. We're just saying that you know Messi could come on the market next summer for free. Well, he won't, as Pete alluded to. It no seems chance. to be a power play. But that's what we were sort of um, on the Barcelona end for. But it does go to show, you know, you can be in a position. And clubs look at Liverpool and they think, well, Liverpool were here 10 years ago. So, you know, we'll bring in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or we'll bring in Frank Lampard and that'll fix it. But Liverpool didn't just bring in Jurgen Klopp. They they had to change and learn from the top. And a lot of these clubs, Barcelona, we'll say are an example, where the the, the directors, the, everything above the manager is just a shambles as well. So you really have to get the whole lot in order. And it comes together then, if you're lucky, like we were lucky, but... You know, it, it takes time and it takes a lot of work. So I'll, I'll bring this back now, lads. What I want to talk about now is back to Liverpool, right? How do you see Liverpool's squad um, shaping up by the end of this window? Um, Chris, I'll come to you. Do you think there'll be who stays, who goes, who comes in? What's the recipe for surprising the kids, treating yourself, and ditching dish duty? Ordering your Pizza Hut faves like original pan, original stuffed crust, and more. Order now at PizzaHut.com. No one out pizzas the hut. Prices and participation vary. In terms of it goes, I have written down Carius, Larucci, Phillips, Wilson, Gruwich, Brewster, Origi, Shakiri. They're the ones I'd expect to go. 
Chamberlain, I don't think does go. Uh, I think it's a nice press story, but as, as although we are very stocked in midfield, and yes, I know he, he is injury prone, the games are going to come thick, thick and fast. And despite the fact he's had injuries in the back, yeah, you know, last year he was available for quite a lot of games. Yeah, so I think I think he's been written off a bit too easy, but I do think he's, you know, what you need, even if it's just for league cups or cover. So that's who I think goes. Um, I think potentially one more comes in. It feels like it, if we want to bring someone else in, it might be like an Ishmael Sar. Um, I think that something like that we'll look at. I think we are going to go with the Fabino at centre back. It's a risk, and it's not Slayton lad, but it is a risk, and it does take a little bit away from your midfield. But the, the, the inklings you sort of get in is Liverpool have got a centre back lined up, but it's just got the, the, the one they want. He's not going to be able to. It's not going to be available for next summer, and this is where FSG. And Klopp's are, are brave in the sense that they have a certain way and go, we have certain times, we have a certain way of doing, and if we don't get them, we go short, which we did for six months when we didn't when we didn't get Van Dyke. Uh, which I think other clubs now are realizing I think it's what United are trying to do, which is they've got a a way of playing and the you know, Solskjaer wants to go down a youth route, he wants to go down young, hungry players, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. But for so long United have been an overpaying club, clubs don't believe that you won't overpay. And at some point, the only way United are going to stop that is if they're actually going to have to do a bit of a Liverpool and go, well, we're paying this. If you don't, pay, if we don't get him, we'll go without for a season, go short, which might be short-term pain for a year, but long-term benefits. But that's what I think for Liverpool. I think Max, one more in, incoming, probably off another forward, uh, and all them will go if you can get buyers. I mean, Wilson and Grouch, I think, will go. Brewster, there's so much noise about him. I think he's gone. Uh, it's just where to. I mean, if you ask me, the perfect club for him is, is Brighton. That is the perfect club for Brewster. Uh, and I, I think someone like a Brighton would do the deal with the buyback clause. Only because, although I know Gavin yourself have discussed it, saying like, why would you do a buyback clause? But for someone like a Brighton, for the two years you have him, that's the two years that could be the difference between two years in the Premier League or two years in the Championship. Because the one thing Brighton are short of is a proven goal poacher. It's also what Sheffield United could do with. If Sheffield United had a proven goal poacher in Brewster, Sheffield United would probably play Europa League football at least this year. Yeah. So that's why some clubs like that might go, it's not ideal. But, you know, it's like Palace, they're taking Batshuayi and load every year anyway. So what's the difference? It's like, yeah. a big, it's like, a, it's like an expensive loan, mm. but you get to do what you want with him and he's not cup-tied. So, but the only Very one I'm not sure on is Origi. As in, I think he probably should go for the good of his career. I think he needs to go now. I think he needs to be the main man. And I do think if he's a main man, someone else, I think he'll do quite well. Because uh, he's got all the attributes to be a really good centre forward for someone. He's big, he's powerful. He knows how to get crunch goals. You know, and he, he, he's still got the back of, he's a league winner and a Champions League winner. You know, so for a lot of clubs, that's, a, that, that's still a big signing. He's just not good enough for us anymore, you know. Yeah. And that's not that, that's not decrying. Like he's, we've just moved beyond him, you know. Like we moved beyond Daniel Sturridge. Like we moved beyond other good players we've had. Uh, I just think that's where we're up to. Whether it happened, I don't know. I do get the feeling the last two weeks in the window is going to be a bit hair and scare him, and you will probably see a, a mm. lot happening. 
Very true, very true. Pete, what about yourself? How do you... And before I come to you, Pete, actually, uh, LFCR and good channel, lads. So, listen, thanks. We appreciate all the support. Um, if people are watching the show, you know, I, we hate doing this, but, you know, we can hit that like button because every like helps us. It helps the reach of the show, the channel get out there to, to put us into other people's sort of... Um, spheres and that that they can see us and we can sort of you know get our brand not brand I hate saying brand sound like a wanker but we can get the sort of show <laughs> reaching there, yeah I know we can get the show reaching the new people and the more people that watch you know the better we don't make you know we're not in this for for making that and monetary or that and it's it's just to, to grow the shows that we can reach more people so if you can hit the like button we appreciate all the help and support we can get um, so Pete I'm going to come to you the same sort of thing how do you see Liverpool come the end of this window yeah, I mean, I think Brecky has hit it in the head. Um, but I will say that Liverpool, we're in the position now where there are no helter-skelter signings made. There's no. I remember years ago under Hodgson, I think four or five lads came in in one day. You won't see that happening unless it's four or five lads or three or four lads or two or three lads that are at the top of the shortlist in each department. I think we do... We don't need, this is probably a little bit controversial, we, we don't need an extra centre-half. We could do one because you want, you do want Fabinho to play in his natural position. But I do believe Fabinho is the second best centre-half of the club. That's just my opinion. Um, however, it would be nice to bring another centre-half in. But I don't believe that Klopp will bring in someone that's three or four rungs down on his pecking order for a centre-back. So for me... Um, if a centre-back comes in, it's someone that's really going to compete, you know, for at least, you know, at least, uh, you know, get, getting some minutes. Um, I, I can see us bringing in a centre-forward, um, possibly loan back to, to that club. So I can actually see us going for Doku. Um, if Watford are a little bit difficult to deal with on Sar, um, which will disappoint Mane because we all know that they're like brothers. But, but who knows? But I can see a stretch one slash two more. But that's very much depending on who goes out. Because for me, I do believe, you know, the noises from the club when they say, and I love the quote, it's, um, we quote Klopp said last week, we pay for football things with football things. You know, it's managed responsibly. There's no, there's no loans being taken here. So I think if the lads go out, and it looks like they probably will, lads will come in, you know. Indeed, indeed. And Anthony, what about yourself? Do you see Liverpool doing anything or do you sort of echo what the lads are saying and maybe Fabinho stepping in there as the emergency cover at centre-back? Yeah, I'd echo what the lads said. I mean, we know the Klopp, he doesn't like a bloated squad. So, you know, that, that does look like there's too many players there at the minute. So, you know, when you go through, as the lads mentioned there, Origi, Shakiri, Brewster, Grewich, Wilson, like th these are attractive assets for other teams you know your deadwood is like you, you could have like a bit of a, a bidding war for for someone like brewster you know real good young english player so like i think we will bring back in some cash from them lads um i mean the obvious one is sent a half looking at uh fabinho on, on sunday i thought he was just unbelievable and the only thing like only issue when i'm playing center back is that you take him away from the midfield and for all the midfield talent that we have Nobody can quite do what Fabinho does. Um, but, you know, Matip, uh, Gomez, they're, they're not going to be injured all season. I think they might just roll the dice and, and think, all right, well, look, he's the backup and the two lads are going to come back. We should be all right. So I'm not sure if we'll bring anyone in, although it does make sense what the lad said about, uh, you know, the Sarlink, 
the fact that it hasn't gone away suggests that Liverpool probably do want another attacking option. And because when they're linked with one, what we've learned is that they usually have an option B or an option C. Like if they want someone for that position, there's usually not just one. You know, if Sarr doesn't happen, it's unlikely that it's just going to completely go and they say, all right, we'll forget about it. They, they may have someone else up their sleeve, which could be, uh, as Pete says there, Doku, and maybe an option to loan back. So uh, I think now that what we'll see from Liverpool is players going out, trim the squad, just tighten up the squad. Uh, and, you know, leave us with, in all fairness, in our Premier League champions. But at the end of this window, we are going to be we're going to be looking better than ever. You know, the quality there, the depth, everything is, it really is looking good for Liverpool. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Before we move on, I'm getting stick from your jersey choice. Uh, <laughs> is wearing a James Rodriguez top. I said it is at the start, lads, that someone's going to mention James Rodriguez. Nothing <laughs> to do with this. Is yeah, I know. This is a tribute to Peter's lovely wife of Colombian heritage, and I said we'd welcome Jessica into the fold and wear a bit. Of Absolutely, and lad, I can back it up. My wife, who's in the next room hiding because she's afraid of the camera, is from Colombia. And Keith is wearing. And he said it before the show. Keith is wearing. It, and the minute I saw, it, I, I was laughing because actually Jessica has that jersey and a couple of others hanging up. The the female version, of course. Yeah, so I can back so it up. We don't we don't know who James Rodriguez is. On there's the no yeah, no James <laughs> or Mina on this. It's just a great short. So uh, you know people people get obsessed with what I wear. I the Barcelona culture. I know I was told off for that. Look, forget about it, lads. It doesn't matter what I wear. I'm not a fashion icon. I don't drive a uh, trend. Or just, we will move on. We'll move on. Um, but look. I see Jay um, saying he's quoting James Pierce saying we won't sign any players and you know we can't really take if there's anything we've learned I think it's that we can't really take the journal's words on what's happening with Liverpool at the moment um, based on what's happened it's been it's been um, it's been shown that there's not many leaks you know if James Pierce is saying there's not going to be any more th- you know, and I'm not digging out James Pierce, I think he's an excellent reporter. But a lot of the Liverpool patch journals were saying no signings, no signings, Thiago's not a not a target, and he's not an active target. And we all knew that he was because all the word coming out, you know, was he, he was and from respectable journalists on in on the German side, you know, it was it was crazy. But I wouldn't take James Pierce saying they're not interested in a target. I agree with what Anthony said. There's too much coming out that he must maybe have an eye on something else up top. Before we finish up, lads, I want to quickly go through what the other teams now. I know we're moving away from Liverpool again, but I think we're in a great position as you guys have all touched on. And I want to give you a team each to tell me what you think of their business and how they're squads are shaping up as well so Chris I'm going to come to you first and say Spores how do you think Spores have done in this window and how do they look going forward for you Scatical is probably the best way to describe Uh, I think the left back they signed I think is a good good signing because I think both full backs actually are good signings because they needed two new followers Aurier was you know the, the French Moreno. You knew he was going to give you a penalty over two minutes. And uh, the lad, the, the Welsh lad, they have at left back, whose name escapes me now. Davis. Uh, he, he, Davis. He, he's he's a solid Premier League player, but for where Spurs want to be, he's not quite the level they need. So I get why. Well, no, he's a left back, Joe Allen. 
yeah, so that's what. So neither of them convinced me. Uh, Hoiberg, I, I get the idea of Hoiberg. It's very Mourinho, big, strong, powerful, a lot of mobility, which that that midfield last year had no mobility. It was very static. So I, I get the reason why you buy him. You know, I, you know, you could see. I was surprised Hoiberg hadn't moved to a, a Spurs or an Arsenal a couple of years earlier. So I get that. The Bale one is the wild card in terms of who's been injured for constantly now for about two years uh, yeah. and it's, it looks like he fell out of love with football I mean that's partly down to probably how he was treated by Real Madrid so it doesn't really help him but if they get Gareth Bale back to 70% of the player he was before he left Spurs that makes Spurs a real top four contender now the one thing I, I think Bale will do for Spurs which I think Mourinho was brought in to do this as well uh, it just hasn't quite worked is I saw his interview, and I must be if I was a Spurs fan, it's it's kind of a watered down version of what Klopp did when he came in. His words were, "I'm great to be back. It's great to be here. I, I can't wait to come back here and start and add more trophies to my collection." And it was deadpan. It was not 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 fluff for it. He he was generally like, "I'm here to win trophies and play and enjoy my football. That is what we're going to do, and that is what I'm here for." Hmm. And I think for Spurs, I think they need a reminder of that is. You know, forget all the nice, pretty football, the nice big stadium, which is a stunning stadium. Is you, you've got to start winning something, and perhaps having a proven winner, even if he's unavailable half the season, might give them a bit of a kick up the arse and might revitalise Harry Kane or inspire a Lucas Moura. So, in some ways, Bale could, Bale's greatest attributes could be off the pitch, uh, which I know sounds a bit mad. It's a lot of money to pay for a guy to be a off the pitch influencer, but I think that's what they need. So, I can see what they're trying to do. Um, but it's just whether they'll give them enough patience for it because yeah. Mourinho already feels a little bit he's in year three, he's in year three mould of a meltdown and, you know, he's already called all the players out and says, you know, they don't know what they're doing. So, you know, the best thing I think could happen to Spurs might be if Mourinho left, they actually went long term and looked at someone like Nuno from Wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And they're in talks, apparently, someone said earlier with Skriniar from Inter Milan, it's an unusual one. I thought he would be out there reach myself. But look, if it happens, it happens. Um, Anthony, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say about Man U. Man U's business, they've signed Donny van der Beek, they've signed Jaden Sancho, they've signed Thiago Alcantara, they've signed um, Pele from Escape the Victory. They've signed signed everybody, but the reality is they haven't signed anybody only Van der Beek. How do you think their squad is shaping up and do you think they need to get players in and are they focusing on the wrong players? Uh, yeah, they do need to get players in to get where they would like to get to, which is above us, get us off the perch. But um, I, I have to say, I don't think they're as bad as they looked at the weekend. You know, there's probably extenuating factors there. They, they haven't, they've had a scattergun pre-season and they did look... They did look a week or two behind Palace physically, just the, the sharpness. And that. So I, I mean, I, I thought, I looked at Man United from, let's say, when Fernandez came in onwards last season, and I thought, these are coming again. You know, they started to look like a, a very good side. They've got some really good young players in the, in the last third of the pitch. I think Fernandez is an excellent player. Like he, he sort of does for them what you what we'd expect Thiago to do for us in terms of just. You know, punching passes, breaking lines, and, and moving teams around. He, you know, the pace was passed and things like that. He's a good footballer, but you'd have to say that the last 
the, the, the back line for them is a major issue. You know, the keeper is a problem. The centre-halves are a problem. And, I mean, it's probably question marks over the full-backs as well. Um, less so Wan-Bissaka. But, like, if you look at, say, Liverpool or Manchester City now, uh, or Bayern Munich, for that matter, like, I mean, they've totally weaponized their full-backs. It's just not enough to be decent going forward or decent defensively. You gotta be a serious footballer now to play fullback in these teams. Like Alexander Arnold could play centre of the park for Liverpool. Yeah. He's that good a footballer, like but he's used at, at right back. And it just looks like they're trying to do what they're trying to do, Keith, basically, is copy Liverpool and Manchester City. Basically what they're trying to do. Um and they're a couple of steps behind us because we've been doing this for much longer and doing it much more coherently and doing it with a much better manager. Yeah. So we think that United have a lot of problems. Um, I still do think there's enough quality in that they'll be in around the top four. I don't think they're just going to go off a cliff and I do think they'll get better. But in terms of like, I mean, I, I actually when I was watching them at some point uh, from when Fernandez came on last season, but there were games I watched them at top. These, these get the summer right they could actually be a threat next season. You know, if Liverpool sort of hesitate in the market in the summer and make a mistake or two, and, and United get it right, they could be a th- they could be a threat. But it's very early days. But it looks like it's kind of possibly potentially, and the window's still open, but it could go the other way for them. They could actually step back while the the top two kick on yeah. again. So they've got a big couple of weeks, um, and they're under a lot of pressure now. It's not ideal mm. like, because now they know they have to sign. Everyone else knows they have to sign. And clubs are a lot cuter now. They don't have to sell the way they may use, you know, the smaller mm-hmm. clubs in the Premier League particularly. So they're, they're going to have a job to get in, you know, the players in here because they do mm-hmm. need players. Are they going to sign Sancho? Um, it depends who else wants him, Keith. I mean, if, if it depends what other club genuinely makes a play. Look, if Liverpool decided that they want them, you know, forget Mbappe. That's not realistic. It's Sancho. Liverpool will get him. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's us or them, if it's us, you know, he's going to come to us. There's a sort of intimations that he would fancy Liverpool as it is. Um, if they find themselves in a position where they're the only ones willing to t- pay the type of money that Dortmund want, and they throw you know big wages at him, I think there's a good chance that they could get him. Yeah. You know, they are still, you know, they're back in the Champions League. There is money there for that kind of a deal. So, uh, but it looks like Dortmund are playing them at the minute. You know, they're, they're, it, it doesn't look like Dortmund are. It doesn't look Dortmund are controlling that transfer at the moment. Yeah, you know, they're they're dictating the narrative around that transfer, and that's that's not good news for Man United. You're, you're kind of looking from the outside in. I mean, we we've been in that boat. United are in there where you're, you know, you're kind of hoping it oh, could have happened, but. If you actually look at it in the cold light, light of day, this has been going on for what, a few months now. You know, this type of talk coming out and it's not developing. So that, that suggests that they're just, they're not really concerned about this. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll probably sell them if they throw something ridiculous at them and not the chap, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't look keen enough to go to force it through. So at this point in time, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to happen before the window closes. Santa to United would be amazed if that happens. Yeah. But it's now or never for them because, as you say, if they don't deal with this summer when there's no one else actively going mm. for them, 
Yeah. And that that narrative changes next summer. I don't think they have a chance of getting him, to be honest. So it's a weird one. They're focusing all on him when they should really be looking at their defence. But look, we'll leave them to it. We'll leave them to it. Pete, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say Man City, go. Are Manchester City going to add? Of course they are. Of course they are. I mean, look. How many? As many as as many as many as they can within the rules. I mean, you're talking about a man who's been talked up. Pep, exactly. He's been talked up uh, as the greatest coach, you know, to ever to ever put cones down on the field. He's the biggest fraud. It, it, and it's disappointing for me because I was a big fan of his, particularly when he was at the, the Barcelona B team and when he obviously was at Barcelona. I really thought, my God. But this is a guy who's never taken a risk in his career. He was a fantastic player and he played under some fant- fantastic managers. But it's just money. It's just money. You know, what, what it, though he has a couple of blind spots. He seemed to have, he seems to have blind spots for, for fullbacks. Because he spent almost three hundred million, and he's going to spend more on more fullbacks. Yeah. He tried to spend more money on fullbacks, and he doesn't seem to be able to buy a centre half who can do what he wants the centre half to do and defend as well. Um, you know, obviously they've they've had the sideshow of Messi, which I do believe that they they really wanted, but that's more probably a company thing from their their perspective. I personally, I think they should have been they should really been concentrating on trying to replace Aguero. I mean, this is the greatest, on paper, the greatest striker who's played in the in the Premier League, probably shy of Alan Shearer. And they've got Gabriel Jesus, who's, for me, a glorified Brewster. You know, he's a guy that plays off the shoulder and doesn't add anything in the final tour. So they don't have a ready-made replacement. Aguero's the most dangerous player, and they're not even talking about replacing him. You know, they've brought... They've, they, they, for me, it's a gamble to bring in this kid from Valencia. I think they've brought him in because... You know they can they they think they can get they're getting an eighty million pound player for a thirty million pound player because of the state Valencia is in. Uh, the answer for me is yeah they'll I mean and they've signed Nathan Aki who didn't really blow uh, was nip and tuck for me between Aki and Tyrone Mings for who was performing better and needed them set the world on fire. So Pep seems to have a real blind spot. You know, I, I, you know, yeah, they'll throw money at things and they'll they'll glitz and glamour it, but I don't see any I don't see any signing that they've made or that they they're looking at making. Even Koulibaly, I've seen him on his arse six or seven times in the Champions League against good good players. You know, I, Salah put him on his arse three or four times. Napoli as a defensive unit were impressive. It wasn't that Koulibaly was impressive; it's them as a unit. So I'm not hearing anything out of them that it's kind of making go. If they get him, I'm worried. You know, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, it's very true. Though. I mean, Messi was one that you thought if they got them, it's like, hmm, interesting. But other than that, it's it, it's not frightening. And look, they still have a great squad. They, they did a good win last night, but then looked a bit rickety at the end. You know, they was, still was have miss chances. Exactly, was miss chances. Yeah. And, I, and to be honest with you, I think um, their goalkeeper gets away with murder. I think this is a guy that makes... I mean, people talk about Kepa, but this this guy makes incredible rickets. He made an incredible ricket last year uh, at Southampton that any other goalkeeper made, and he'd be just history. He gets away with more. He comes out 50 and 60 yards. I remember when a couple of seasons ago, Mohamed Salah got, or uh, Sadio Mane got sent off for him, and it really could have been the goalkeeper. He gets away, he does ridiculous things I hope he, I hope that that lad signs a seven year contract and stays there Pep seems to have a blind spot 
for what defending is. And it's arrogance. It's, he wants to show everybody we build from the back, complete back to front. I'll be honest with you. I think that a hu- Arteta is a huge loss for them. I see the transformation in Arsenal and in the way they're playing with confidence from the back. And I, I'm beginning to think perhaps Arteta was carrying the load there. Perhaps Pep is just, the, as Mourinho says, is the, the goods in the shop window. But... Uh, but uh, Arteta was the, you know, was the was the the real quality out back, you know. I'm I'm not I'm not. Uh, it's the first time I'm kind of thinking: is Pep, is this is the fraud show actually accurate? To be honest, I, I knew we'd get oh. you on him. I knew we'd get you on him. <laughs> on, the, on, on the Arteta thing, though, if you look at Arsenal, they're not there yet. But, but hold on, Chris. You before can... you start, you can have go. Arsenal go. Go, thanks. Um, I think that. They're starting to go the right way, but the, the miles off where they want to be. But mm. you know what we said for years for Arsenal. Fuck me, when when they're going to buy a centre back? They bought two. Mm. Mm. You know they bought. You know and Gabriel. He didn't play two games. Looks a dominant centre half who loves to head the ball. And I know that's really basic, but they haven't had that for ages. They haven't had somebody who just looks like he likes to defend, but you know, but still has which you need today. Uh, skill on the ball, you know, is a good passer of the ball, and it's it's a bit cloppish as a they play a very tightrope style game with three four three, but when they attack, they they, they form a back four, and you know the, the wing back becomes another winger. If you catch with a transition, you expose them completely. But you know, twice now Arsenal play does. Yes, I know it's post lockdown, and we're probably a little bit on the beach, and the other one's charity shield. But they play this. They play this in a, a defensive unit way, and stifle those, and then left the left the three left their three pace. Hang on, Bracky. Well, in, in, in the league good. game, in the league game, Bracky, we pulled them apart. I mean, Liverpool's finishing that night was was actually freakishly bad. But I think we had a, a, a good 20, 25 shots on goal and completely dominated the game. The, the charity shield I'll give you, you know, that was kind of nip and tuck. But the league game was is the strangest defeat I've ever seen Liverpool. Uh, with Liverpool. It, it, it is in a way, but uh, I saw quite a lot of Arsenal players, you know, throwing the bodies in front of the ball, you know, actually mm. trying everything they could. Now, did we get pulled apart? You know, I, I see where you're coming from. But they were, they were trying to defend, as in throwing mm. everything at them. Arsenal for three or four years, you know, ain't doing that. You know, no. so I think they're going in the right way. I think William is probably the smartest sign and they've done, which is, again, a bit like the, a bit like the Bale thing. A proven winner who's mm. still got quality, who'll still work them hard, and puts a bit of pressure on Pepe, you know, who was underwhelming last year, but now Pepe's Rubbish. not started a game yet. But he's mm. not started Rubbish. a game yet now, so £80 million payer, he's now going to go if I don't pull my finger out, William's going to keep my Will's going to keep my shirt. So mm. again, gives them a bit more confidence. It's Lacazette's got a smile on his face again because I was convinced Lacazette was going um, before our Tetsu game. Now he looks quite happy and quite made up, and he's made some big calls on some. You know, Torreira was quite loved by Arsenal fans. Mm-hmm. He's out the door. You know, yeah. clearly he's decided that's a bad egg. Guendouzi, you know, the way he acted against Brighton. Uh, Arsene Wenger and the guy after him were just, uh, now, uh, you know, it's, it, it's passion. That's what he wants to do. And he, he talked about something, we're having none of that shite. Go, yeah, he hasn't played a minute since. You're not playing since. Um, mm. Head down, knuckle down, or I'll just fuck you off. And I'll, 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 play, mm. a, I'll play a kid and I'll see how the kid does. You know, I mean, and the, the big thing for Arsenal is 
and I think our test would be good as they've un- they've unearthed a gem in uh, Saka. They've got mm. an absolute gem there. The best thing they did was getting him signed up on a long term contract because that was the one player yeah. I, in the summer I was hoping we'd sign. Yeah, we were close to. I think, I think we we he offered him terms, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, he'd have been brilliant for us. Play left back, play left wing, play centre mid. He just looks like he's going to be an absolute star for them. So, yeah. I, I think on the quiet, Arsenal are going in the right direction. Um, I'm not sure they'll get top four this year, but I think they'll be. I don't think there'll be anything like they were last year, like 40, 40 odd points behind the, the chasing pack. But I do think they're in the right direction, but I do think they're two, three years behind where they, where they want to be. It's interesting you mentioned them. Um, Terreira and Guendouzi and look we can throw Granite Jacket in there as well Do they are they a, a solid midfield player away from challenging are they a Thomas Partey or a Hossam Awar away from challenging do you think or is are they just a little bit too far away I'm going to say challenging I, I, I just mean top four Yeah, I, I think they're still a little bit too far away I still have suspicion most teams that play three at the back it's because they don't trust themselves defensively and that's why they have mm-hmm. the extra midfielder. Let's face it, Liverpool for years tried three at the back, Tristan the Ray Evans here when we were shocking. So mm-hmm. I think if that, I, I I might be wrong, but I do think long-term, I'm sure Arteta will want to go back to a back four and it'd be like the 3-4-3 three, three, or 4-2-3-1, whichever, whichever way you want to mix it up. I think that's what it is, but I, I just don't think you can do it all in one summer. COVID or no COVID, you're never going to do all those signs in one summer. I quite like the fact that he's just going, I've got my centre-backs this summer, I've got my main guys up front. I think next summer is when he when he tries to really build the midfield and just does it mm. piece by piece. You mm. know, I mean, the other thing he's got Arteta, which Lampard hasn't got, and in fairness, Klopp didn't do for a few years. Is he's got the big monkey off his back as he's got the first trophy, which is always the hardest one for a manager to win. That gives him so much saving grace now that he's got a good eighteen months now before questions are asked. As long as they keep progressing as they are, because he's got the big thing off the back, which is. He's got a he's got a cup he's got a cup for a, the club, mm. you know. So, yeah. I I think they're probably another two years away from being not just a top four properly, probably not trying for titles, but definitely like a consistent potentially to be a consistent top four side. Because I think Spurs have more work to do than Arsenal, which I wouldn't yeah. have thought two three years, you wouldn't have thought two mm. years ago. Yeah, I'll tell you what else. Sorry, just to keep up, it's not just that he's won a trophy; he's beaten City and he's beaten Liverpool. Yeah, in the league. Don't underestimate how big that is, you know, for, for Arsenal from where they're coming from. And like you're talking about Lampard and Solskjaer, two guys who were sort of dropped into those big, big jobs. And this is Arteta's first big job. He looks so much more assured and tactically astute already in what he's doing there. I think the only danger for Arsenal is that if he keeps doing really well and they don't have major funds... If, if, if that frustrates him, that he'll jump on somewhere else, fairly, you know, a bigger club will come and take him. You just go back to City when Pep leaves. Back, Pep will back to City, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of the most yeah. important, uh, one of the most um, impressive things for me about Arteta is a lot of people thought he would have gone in there and just tried to be Pep Mark too and be playing ticket attack of football. But he's in fact taken is nearly as Everton experience and saying, right, I'm going to set my team up to be harder to be. And he's walking yeah. on that. I didn't see doing it. Now, speaking of teams doing everything one summer, Anthony, I'm going to come to you and let you finish up on Chelsea. I heard he put a bid in for Edison Cavani today to take the jackets on the after dinner circuit because <laughs> sign everybody. What do you make of their business? And are they a long way from, you know, are they doing too much too soon at Chelsea? They're doing too much, yeah, in one window. I mean, the thing is that the, it's not, 
the, the players they're buying are so good that they are going to be a good team. They, I mean, they're already a good yeah. side, decent side at times mm-hmm. last year. So that they are going. There's going to be games where Chelsea will wipe the floor with teams when it clicks and everything goes their way. But in terms of like, I mean, you, you were looking at them and people they were they, people were talking about Chelsea and are making a statement and. But they've abandoned their philosophy completely this summer. Like last year, it was all about developing young English talent, and this is the way we're doing that with a young English coach and we're t- young English players. That's gone out the window in the first summer transfer window that they have money to spend. Like completely gone out the window. So like, there's no cohesion there, and you bring that many players into one window. Like, and we've seen that with Liverpool before. It doesn't matter how good they are. Like they they got a gel, and the first like the second game of the season against Liverpool, ordinarily, like, you think that's the chance for a pretender to make a statement. You know, yeah. now it's early in the season, but this is, are, are you going to be challengers? Here's your chance to get Liverpool, second game of the season, at home. And they were miles off. Like, 10 men or not, like, Liverpool were just, looked levels above them. Um, and they looked scared of Liverpool. So, you know, even psychologically, they don't look like they're ready to become a team that can challenge to win the league. So, they brought in some really good players. Like Timo Werner is a very good player, and although Fabinho was outstanding on him at the weekend, I he still saw moments. I think he was the one player for them where, you know, he, he had you a little bit nervous at times in the first half, particularly. Um, and you know, they do have other good players to come into that side, but uh, I think it's like Man United. Like they don't have a manager that makes you nervous. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't think Lampard has that aura of a top manager who makes it look like they really know what they're doing and breeds confidence throughout the whole club. It's because, it's because he doesn't, Anthony. Look at the tree. Look at the midfield tree he starts. I mean, three similar players. I mean, there's just no mix there. This is a guy who refuses to acknowledge the fact that Ngolo Kante is probably the best defensive midfielder in the league. Won't play him there, and is looking to get rid of him. Mm. I mean, Frank Lampard was a fantastic player, but no evidence that he's even partially qualified to manage at this level. It's actually farcical. It's farcical. Well, let's farcical. be honest. He, he's kind of a victim of circumstance because if Chelsea hadn't got a transfer ban, he's not the manager. Mm. He was brought in because they had a transfer ban. They knew it would be a difficult season next year. So you put a club legend in, um, it buys you some time. Uh, the best thing uh, I think Lampard should have done last week is he should have made the game against us a mad one like it was at Anfield. And do you know what? If they got beat 5-3, he would get far less shit than he's getting now because everyone go, well, yeah, he did have his full side, but look at that. He took it to Liverpool. Mm. You know, he got past that that shaky defence that everyone's been talking about. Just when, when all their players are back, they're going to be a force. In some ways, it's how you lose. And the fact is, if he'd gone really ballsy and got beat 5-3 like he did at Anfield, I think actually they get a lot a lot less stick because people have gone, well, he went for it. He trusted his players. You know, I mean, the other thing he should have done is, and, I, and this is not being wise at the end, is he should not be playing Kepper. He doesn't want yeah. it. He, he, mm. The, the post interview just destroyed the lad. And I know he's got another he's, people yeah, lined up, but, yeah. but, but he's, got, he's got to buy him now. He's got to buy Kepper now. You know, the club he, he's thing, damaging, the club damaging thing, that lad by starting him. Damaging yeah. that lad by starting him. I mean, Ke- Kev O'Sullivan <laughs> makes a good point there. Poch on the sidelines. Who? I mean, how is Pochettino out of a job with these jokers? Solskjaer is a bluffer. I mean, you made the point earlier, Bracky, and you're right. You're completely right. 
that he's always he's basing putting all his trust in youth. That just says to me, oh, in the future, tomorrow. It's like jam, jam yesterday, jam tomorrow, but never jam today. It's just bluff and bullshit, you know. And then you've got a guy like Maurizio Pochettino who's not in the job. It's unbelievable. I, I'm convinced that these teams don't want to be successful. It's like Ireland not wanting to win the fucking Eurovision because it's expensive to host. I don't know why, but why on earth would you have two guys at top clubs? Well, but why would you have two guys at top clubs that aren't qualified? I mean, yeah. Solskjaer and Lampard, it's just its just incredible. It's just my, and by the way, give them 10-year contracts. Happy days. Two of them are I, clueless. I think, I, I, I wonder with Pochettino if, he, if he's waiting for his moment. And perhaps he's just thought, also the other thing with Pochettino, I think possibly he was a bit burnt out after Spurs. So he's probably recharged yeah, okay. his batteries, sat on his payouts and gone, January or next summer, I will he will be at someone like one of the English clubs or he'll be at a Juventus or, you know. He could be looking at PSG. A, could be looking at Tommy Tuchel's hot seat on PSG and saying that's where I'm going he's the next yeah. player, you know, so that could be one that he's looking at. There was a, I, yeah, I, think, I, I think the reason Pochettino has not been took on is because I think he's waiting for his opportunity. I don't think it's, I, I, I can't believe clubs haven't asked. I just think he's waiting for something. Mm. Now, yeah. what that is, I don't mm. know if it's England, I don't know if it's Spain, I don't you know, I don't know if he wants to be the next Argentina manager. Uh, he's clearly got something. I, I would think a manager that who's that proven will do something eventually. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, where, 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 where I don't, where I don't know. Yeah. No, but look, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Listen, lads, I've taken up enough of you as our time tonight. We'll wrap it up there. Um, it's been an excellent show. Really, thanks for everyone in the, the chat, everyone who liked the show. Brilliant. If anyone else wants to hit the like, you know, there's still a few minutes. Go ahead, smash that. But <laughs> it's it's been a cracking show. Um, we've covered a lot of stuff. Not the, the usual transfer again, <laughs> the show we've been doing because there's not going to be too much transfer stuff with Liverpool now, I don't think, for the rest of the season. So, you know, we, we try to take a different look at it. So I just want to thank the lads for coming on. Chris, thanks very much for joining us again tonight. Cheers, everyone's mate. No worries at all. Pete, all the way from sunny Spain. Statues getting made yet in all Cheers, in the lads. comments tonight. That is, pal. Well done. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. And Anthony, great to have you on again. We'll hopefully won't leave it as long next time. Yeah, cheers, Pete. Good to see you, lads. No worries. Listen, we've been the LFC Day Trippers. This has been the Transfer Agenda Show and we'll see you all next time. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.